Hey, this is Kevin with the Trans Narrative Podcast, the podcast dedicated to fostering a safe and inclusive space for the trans community. It provides a platform for trans individuals to connect, share their stories, and find support within their own community. And I'm joined today with Caroline Penny, the one and only. Oh my God. Hi, Kevin. It's so good to have you here on the Trans Narrative Podcast. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you for making this a real thing here, making it real. Joining our host, Caroline Penny, R.A. Lackey, Athena Primakis, Lucy Balzano, and the rotating panel of gender diverse co-hosts as they create a space where trans voices are heard and celebrated. The Trans Narrative Podcast may contain explicit material, sensitive topics, and discussions. Trigger warnings are provided in advance. And now... We have our theme song, Make It Real To Me, written by Athena Primakis, this week performed by Boy Bowser. Make it real to me Every conversation will in empathy All our voices composing a symphony Accomplish anything we set our minds to. Our souls will shine through. With our light, we will fight for each other. I'll always stand beside you. Through the storm and through any weather, we go stronger when we stand together. Live our truth, we no longer fake it. Moving towards our own liberation. Dreams we're chasing, we can make it through. We'll be just fine. Thank you so much for just like covering our theme song, Make It Real to Me by Dana Pramakis. That was just incredible. Thanks for thanks for that. Of course. Of course. Happy to Dana. do it. Wasn't that, wasn't that wonderful, Athena? Just lovely. I'm looking forward to hearing it for the first time because we're obviously recording right now. Athena, <laughs> now what? you just you broke the fourth wall. You're supposed to play along. No. Yes, that was wonderful. Not going to do it. I'm always going to tell the truth. That's part of my identity. Yeah, no, Boy Bowser, that, that was an awesome theme song. It was just, you made it real. Uh, oh, thank you. Real. You're too kind. You're too kind. I try. I try. <laughs> well, um, hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Trans Narrative Podcast. I'm Caroline Penny, and I'm so lucky and grateful to be graced by the one and the only Athena from Marcus. Hi. Good to be here. Hi, hi. How you doing? And so good, so good. And we're also here with Kevin, Kevin Werner. Hi. Hello there. How are you? I'm doing fabulous. Lovely to talk to awesome people in the trans narrative. That's right. And Lucy... Lucy hey, I'm practicing my magic trick. Oh. And how are you today? Fantasy come reality. Absolutely. Lovely, lovely. And 
We are joined today by Boy Bowser. Hi, welcome to the Trans Narrative Podcast. It's so good to have you here. Oh, happy to be here. Happy to be here. I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. I have an intro. Would somebody like to read that for us where it says, coming in with as much aggressive bravado? Can somebody give, start us off there? Um, coming in with as much... Let's get a clean cut. With Kevin, you're committing. Yeah. Okay. Go for it. Okay, I'm committing. Okay. Coming in with as much aggressive bravado as his namesake, Boy Bowser is a force to be reckoned with. Raised in their hometown of LA of La Puente, California, the now Fullerton-based artist combines clever comedic wordplay with hard-hitting topics that drew from their experiences as a trans person of color to create intense, energy-packed hip-hop for their, for their generation. Boasting a broader way of music styles, Bowser is a bit of a chameleon pulling influence from different genres and artists such as Childish Gambino and Linkin Park to create a sound you can't help but groove to. That's that? fantastic. Awesome. Yo, yes, right. yes, yes. Love Boy that Bowser's so, much. so crisp, and, you wonder if it's Sprite straight from the McDonald's fountain. Oh, thank uh, you. So, uh, it's good to have everyone here, as I said, Athena, Lucy, Kevin. So, that, Boy Bowser, uh, it's good to have you here all the way from somewhere. And <laughs> I know from where you are. actually, yeah. Fullerton, okay. Yeah, I know where you are, but I just didn't, it's up to you to, to disclose that. So, um, I'm, I have to go to the bathroom, everyone. I'll be right back. So, just, <laughs> just, um, so we're, we're gonna, just getting rolling. We have, know, we I, have dawdled quite uh, a bit on the music thing. I take a pee. I have a pee pill. So it's, I ballot. It's I have one of those yeah. things. Yeah. So it's, it's are you shit. not on Spyro, Athena? I am, but like it's a really low dosage and it works just fine for me. So like I'm, I'm mostly over. Yeah, I take fifty a day. <laughs> like I take four hundred a day. I take four hundred a day. So crazy. Look. Um, so boy Bowser, I'm gonna. So yeah, boy Bowser, boy Bowser, could you tell us a little bit about who you are? <laughs> well, you know, um. I wouldn't be on the trans narrative podcast if I wasn't a trans person. So that's a, definitely something that I is very integral to my um, identity, not just as a musician, but also just, you know, as a person. Um, but yeah, you know, I've been, uh, I've been a musician for a good chunk of my life. Um, I, you know, I grew to love music because my dad, um, my dad used to buy a lot of records growing up and like CDs and everything. Uh, he worked in a record shop for a little bit. Um, and my aunt was like a church singer in the Dominican Republic. And like every time she would come over and visit, she would uh, do duets with my dad. Cause he was like, a you master. know, as a black person, I have to ask the question, you know, I have to, as a black oh, person, I, know. I have to ask you, are you black or are you Dominican? <laughs> This, see, is a, I, uh, this is a question because a lot of black folks from the Dominican Republic say they are not black. They are Dominican. Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily like to 
claim the identity of black only because I feel like I'm not, I don't know. I just, you're worried I, that you might be too passing for white passing than to say you're black. Yeah, I get it. It's like with Halsey. Halsey's actually half black, half white, but she's yeah. so white. She looks like a spotless cow in a snowstorm. And she's like, damn, I don't want to be like, oh, she does, you know, she yeah. doesn't use our word or shit like that. But because, you know, there's a, there's a, percep- or a perception that comes from your parents. And same with like any of my kids that I tell them like, you are black, but kid, don't be using that word. Yeah, like I just, I, I, you know, I I recognize it as a part of my identity. You know, like my dad yeah. is very much Afro Latino, um, mm-hmm. but like I don't like to necessarily claim that I'm black just because like it. I I don't think that I identify a lot more with um, being Latino, um, mm-hmm. and I feel like I I definitely do not read as black, and I'm like, <laughs> I like I don't like I'm I'm not I'm not going to be like. You know, like I just, I feel like it's, it, it, it feels like it would be silly for me to claim with the complexion that I have. I'm like, I don't. You we know. want to preface this by saying that this is something that a lot of Afro Latinos have to um, experience is they have to find a sort of because I, so my dad thought that he was Italian. I'm actually part Hispanic and from like Mexico City. Um, so I feel you. I just claim black because it's just easier to say I'm black because I am half black, 25 percent white, 25 percent Hispanic. And that's something mm-hmm. that's very, uh, very like ever present in the Afro Latino um, community is I am both black and I am of uh, Latino ba- or of the Latino background. But it's the same as being trans. You are both black, Hispanic and are you Latino or Hispanic? Uh, Latino. You are both uh, black, Latino, and trans, and the level of hate that you can find for one party in either of the party is always yeah. unexpected. Yeah, yeah, and I just I don't know. I I'd rather not like overcomplicate it for other people. I just feel like I, people usually tend to understand what I mean um, mm-hmm. uh, when I'm like, yeah, like I'm Latino, like my dad is Afro Latino, but I don't necessarily. I'm like I don't I don't want to claim it claim necessarily being um black because I feel like it's not it's not my place and I also don't want to like speak over um like anyone who is actually black you know like I just I <laughs> <laughs> we should rephrase that you are actually black it's just anyone yeah. who is less white passing yeah, because we recognize yeah. it's weird how in our culture and society, passing can be a, a, a subscribed to that. And it like after you hit a certain point of passability in a certain regard, there's a level of privilege mm-hmm. that comes along with it. And we notice that, especially since you yeah. are a person of color. It's interesting. Yeah. Isn't it? yeah. And like, I just I. I definitely just don't want to. I don't know. I think I, I think where I get hung up is that, like, I don't want to speak over anybody else with um as somebody who like i i don't want to take i recognize my privilege in being relatively like passing in terms of like you know i don't it's not one of the first things you you notice about me you know and i i don't want to take any voices away from people in the community who have a lot more to speak 
and say about the way that like you know racism has affected them in the afro latino community yeah. i'm like i if there's just there, there's a lot that goes into it and i'm just like i just it's just a really weird tight tight ah tight rope to walk you know because it's like yeah. like, like if i if i'm embracing because i worry too sometimes i worry if i embrace because like i wanted to embrace um my, the the like more hispanic roots or mexican roots that are in my my blood so i was thinking oh yeah i want to go participate in the uh, dia de la muerte the day of the dead stuff and somebody's like ah yes the tourists are here and it's like no i just wanted to learn more about my people you know, like I'm trying to get educated about um, a culture that I didn't really get a ton of interaction with when <laughs> yeah, I was younger. Was you know, like salsa, dancing, I'm trying to connect with my history. Like, what is this black person doing here? <laughs> it was really no, funny. I, <laughs> I swear, I'm one of you all. I like mole. It's delicious. Yeah. For somebody who's been cool. learning their roots, I didn't realize how much of a cultural uh, dish that was. Hmm. Learning. Mm. Oh, mole is delicious. Okay. Yeah. So you said like, that was kind of where you had an entry point, though, was with, with your parents and with uh, just learning how to sing with them, like doing duets. Uh, you said it was like a religious music, typically? Um, not always. Um, I mean, a lot of it was uh, religious music, um, not just like from on my dad and my aunt, um, but also from my grandmother. Uh, she was a Jehovah's Witness, and I... As a young kid, um, I was forced to come to a lot of the, you know, uh, church meetings because, you know, she was usually my babysitter. So we would come and we would sing church hymns. So I have a lot of like, like religious <laughs> music background, but like definitely, you know, um, my favorite stuff to do was whenever it was like covers of songs, like, uh, my dad was a really big fan of like reggae <laughs> growing up. Um, so we listened to a lot of, uh, and also jazz. So I listened to a lot of like Count Basie growing up and a lot of, um, well, Sublime isn't necessarily reggae. They're reggae inspired, but um, I listened to a lot of Sublime as a kid too. Um, and uh, I feel like that helped establish a real big framework of like yeah like okay you know it just i i spent a lot of time just like listening and like making music with my dad music was always something that was a real big uh a connection between the two of us so it was uh yeah i really enjoyed um getting to like learn music through him and then you know, as a musician now, getting to develop my own style and taking things that I learned from songs that I used to listen to um, when I was really younger and applying that to my own music. Well, like everybody's got like a starting place, you know, for music. It's great that you got to create with your parent. Like what kind of tools did you use? Like I, I started on like a Casio keyboard when I was like, you know, really young trying to plunk out <laughs> things. But what were your tools? Oh yeah, I think I also had a Casio keyboard. Um, my dad for a long time really tried to teach me guitar. Like he really, really tried. And I just, I don't know, something about string instruments, I'm not good at them. I think maybe it's because I have tiny, <laughs> tiny baby hands, you know? Like I just, string instruments aren't my thing. I'm more of a wind horned instrument, like, uh, or percussive instrument. Um, percussive instrument? 
Oh, so like drums. Like drums. Oh. Snare drums, you know. Oh. Sorry, I am not musically inclined. So. <laughs> like a trap <laughs> set. Okay, what would you said the, in your background though? A trap set? When you said the wind music, I was like, oh, I know those. If you would have been like the horns, I know those too because it's mm-hmm. like taking college courses. But the moment you're like, what was it? Percussive music? Yeah, percussive. And it's just yeah. stuff I slap the shit out of. Yeah, I'm like, I mainly just drums. Um, I, hmm. When I was in high school, um, I was really heavily involved in like band. Um, that's where a lot of um, my other music knowledge comes from. Uh, I was... What, what instruments did you play in band? Um, primarily trombone, but uh, throughout my whole co- high school and... Uh, college career um i mainly played trombone but i also played baritone uh euphonium tuba trumpet and a little bit of french horn because french horn is a really difficult instrument to play i gotta ask um, is the trombone the little triangle shaped thing no the trombone's the oh you know? <laughs> sorry i was gonna be like that sounds like a skit from snl i need more i gotta be and only more trombone can cure it <laughs> That's a, I don't know shit about they, like French horn. I'm thinking it's a very. I'm thinking the Ricola type horn that they're like. It's kind that- of it's kind of similar to that. It's got like a rounded shape, and like it's it's a it's a little bit more intricate um, than that horn, but essentially kind of similar shape. That's the it's circle. Like circular. That's the circle. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. I think yeah. I like that. Because I think it's, it's so got, cool. Yeah. It's got some extra parts and some like valves and stuff, but like, yeah, those things are hard to play though. Like, I commend any um, and all French horn players because it's a difficult instrument because like it has a lot of it. It requires a lot of like um, technique. You know, it's fine control of the lips. Your armature is everything. So you have to very finely tighten or loosen it. Yeah. Well, as someone who's asthmatic, I like applaud anyone with a wind instrument. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Got to work with the tools that you've got. I've always had a, a long breath. I, I played trumpet and circular breathing was something I could kind of play with. Trombone was a little bit more difficult just because it's kind of awkward, but it's also very pitch centered. You have to get like right on the tone. Yeah. Because yeah. on a, a trumpet, you just push a valve and it just opens up to the exact scientific amount that it needs to as opposed to yeah. getting it and finessing it. Yeah, what trombone is, is a lot more... Oh, circular breathing is um, essentially when when you're playing an instrument, you know, you're usually like, you know, um, you've got, you've got your uh, mouthpiece up to your lips. Um, but instead of like pulling the mouthpiece away and taking like a whole breath and then playing again, um, circular breathing... You create breathing, a pocket of air in your mouth and yeah. then you like that while you're inhaling. Yeah. See, the way I was taught was um, to uh, I was taught circular breathing to do it through like my nose. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like it's it's just so that you don't have to take a breath, you know, yep. like you are still taking a breath, but it's so that you don't have to like um, stop the flow of sound while you're taking a breath, you know, circular breathing. So it's like inhaling through the nose while you're still playing mm-hmm. so you can hear it continuous sustained note even though you should have breathed a long time ago yeah is this something that you all learn as musicians or something like is no, this like, like breath the- breath players would le- need to learn it but that's about it like if percussion okay. would 
So basically, yeah. it's the equivalent of like the Jedi building the lightsaber. You are the musician <laughs> Jedi, and circular breathing is your lightsaber. Because this bitch don't know shit about that. Like y'all were like circular breathing, and I'm thinking like, do I have you have to breathe it in your nose and out your mouth in a circle? That sounds <laughs> like it would kill you. Like you're not getting any oxygen. I was going off the science route. <laughs> <laughs> Music's a very bodily thing, though, isn't it? You use your breath to control, and that changes the phrasing of things, the melodies that you play, or the words that you say. So, like, oh, yeah. how, how does that kind of like? Where did you find yourself led to pursue music as as a, a good choice for you for a career? Um, Honestly, it was probably um, from my experiences and being um, not just in like classical, um, like concert band, but also in like uh, a, a variety of like jazz bands. Like I love jazz. I love jazz music. And I feel like that's where a lot of my musicality now as an artist comes from, because I just uh, I. I feel like I. Not that I didn't really enjoy concert band because like there's just, you know, there's something beautiful about like, you know, like wind on like ensemble work of like, you know, traditional like classical music. Gorgeous. But like when I started, you know, taking jazz band, I feel like that was when I really started to come into my own as in, in developing my own style and musicality, you know, um, and like, especially because a lot of jazz is so improv heavy, you know, like you're really encouraged to be like, go out of the box, like do some solos. And I was really lucky to have a great band teacher. Um, shout out to Mrs. Cedar. Love her. She really helped ingrain that love of music and that love of jazz in me. Um, because like, it just, it's such a free form genre and there's so much like, range of what you can do in jazz and like one of my favorite i think this is probably why like you know i love making music is one of my favorite things uh growing up in my jazz bands was doing solos like anytime there was an opportunity to do a solo in a song um it was always my favorite thing to do like i absolutely love improv solos like it was one of my favorite things to write if we were um sight reading a new piece of music uh I would always like if I saw a solo section um, that was for a trombonist, I'd be like, I want the solo. Mm -hmm. I want the solo. I want to do the solo because one, it was really good practice for me. And I feel like it helped make me a better musician, but also like it just, it helped instill that creative fire in me and being like, yes, I get to arrange something that's like mine that works with the music and like is uniquely something that I created. You know, and like well, that really resonated with me. Well, I was going to say, like, how did you get that fire, that start? You're like, yeah, I can do this on a solo. And what else can I do? Where else can I go? And how did you get started in the music industry? Like, where mm. did that come from? The love and then, you know, the family. And also what record store? I'm just curious. Um, it's... If you don't know, that's right. I was just curious. I'm just like, it, you know. I think he worked, he, my dad worked at at Amoeba because that's like the, 
the logo I remember oh seeing him God. bring Amoeba yes. Records. Like, yeah. yeah. Is that a famous place? I oh, went oh, to yeah. El- Amoeba Records in oh. LA one time in my life and it was like a religious experience. Like yeah, that was the day so before nice. like streaming internet and all of the records in the world seemed to be there. If you could imagine. San Francisco. And just to, me, just to clarify, solo is just when you're, are you playing around other people or is it just like yeah. you're, you're like doing like a recital-esque thing by yourself or is that just in the middle of a song? So it's in the middle of a song usually. Um, the way that solos work in jazz is that there's kind of like, it's not always like a 16 bar um, phrase. It varies between song, uh, but essentially um, during solo bar. sections, it allows um, one of the one of the instrumentalists kind of like a chance to um to feature you know yeah a mm. feature and like improvise over um a set of however chords. many yeah a set of chords okay. and just kind of like add you know add something interesting like, like a and cool to the song. like yeah you know. uh okay so it's basically okay so it's so- a lot of the songs you'll hear in like jazz will have like a main riff, da 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 da, or something like that. Yeah, I've noticed the- you'll all be on the same like. I ca- yeah. it's weird because I can I can I can reference it towards like amplitudes and shit and sine waves from like uh, electronic sense, mm-hmm. but not very musically inclined. So it's it's I hear you all on the same like <laughs> I'm gonna call it fucking same frequency and then the one scientific of you will go off scale? and it's your own shit. Yeah, like yeah. The, the scientific at, scale like, of like the signs are, yeah, are, are like her. way small We'll say scale. like your your domain is a frequency domain and then suddenly you have a completely <laughs> different envelope going yeah. through and this one's amplitude is way the fuck out there and yeah. you're like you can think of it that way. Whenever you're <laughs> like creating like, music, you have a bass section, you have a mids and you have highs. Even on a drum set, you've got hats for the highs and cymbals for the highs. Kicks for the mm-hmm. lows and snares for the mids, toms in the mids. So mm-hmm. yeah, you you do create it around pockets of where your ear can hear hear different things. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I I know more. I, I was so I'm a metrologist and I do a lot of stuff involving like calibration of electronic equipment. I, I have people come in and do it. So when I hear y'all talk about random stuff in the music world, it's really really weird. As well as you know, as somebody who once did sex work, when I heard solo, I was like. <laughs> so what fascinates me a little bit here is kind of talking about that portions like of hearing like the trebles the mids and the basses but the human equivalent would be soprano alto baritone and bass and it sounds like you had some baritone or bass instruments that were uh, pretty influential in your life like early on moving into marching so did that was that a part of your expression in gender um i feel like definitely i mm-hmm. honestly i definitely feel like me playing trombone had an instrumental part in me being transgender shout out to shout out to my trans trombone players i gotta say Um, (laughs) are all trombone players goofy because i swear everyone i've met is goofy so yeah it's it's okay it's it's an inherently it's an inherently goofy instrument you know like every kid like when i first came in a band you know When I first, um, like, you know, when we were signing up for instruments on my first day of band, like every kid was like, I want to play sax, I want to play clarinet, or I want to play trumpet. And, you know, like everyone wanted to play sax because it was cool. Everyone wanted to play trumpet because it was cool. And everyone wanted to play clarinet because of Squidward. So, um, 
but not everybody not everybody gets to play you know like we have to fill the other instruments so um i ended up getting assigned trombone and i was like ah well okay sure like i'll i'll figure it out and i ended up really really enjoying trombone it's a fun instrument to play um it's obviously a goofy instrument you know like can you play careless whisper on it I am actually going to be playing Careless Whisper um, on my trombone later today. Please record that. Oh, I I will be. I'll be I'll be posting funny videos of it. I, um, I'll be uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be doing a cover of uh, Careless Whisper and uh, Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley um, for a burlesque show later today. Oh, awesome! That's fantastic. You're in Fullerton, you said? I'm in San Diego, so I'm in Vista, actually. That's why it's it's funny because we're actually like really close uh, in locations. Yeah. Well. Close being like, I think San Diego Vista is probably like a three, four hour drive for me. California close. California yeah, close. California close. Yeah, like California close. San Diego proper. I'm in San Diego County, and San Diego proper is like 45 minutes away to an hour without traffic. There you go. There you go. I'm yeah. like, yeah, I. So, so what got you into the music industry? Like, how did you get into that part of it? from the love of the music and your family and going from that to like, no, this is what I want to do. Well, honestly, I didn't consider music as a career I wanted to pursue until I went to college because like I, I'd always been passionate about music and, but I never really tried to make any music of my own. Like the most um, that I would do was make like compositions for like class or for, or um, whenever I would write out my solos for, um, you know, my uh, jazz band, you know, songs. So I didn't really like make any of my own original music until I went into college. And that kind of happened because, um, you know, I went in as an art major and like, I, I was doing a lot of like studio classes. Um, and did, I've always been a little bit self-conscious about my singing voice. Um, so I didn't really sing too much until I went to college. And I, it, I, Feel like what really helped inspire me to start writing my own music and to start working on like my singing voice and working on like developing my own style was the encouragement I got from my college roommates my first year like that definitely had an impact because I didn't I didn't feel super confident in my singing and ability like I I knew that I was like um, composition wise that I was musically competent you know but I just I didn't have too much faith in like you know, I was like, nobody wants to hear my voice. I don't, I don't feel like I sound good. And, uh, but I, it was really through the encouragement of my, uh, very first college roommates, um, hearing me like sing stuff and being like, you have a really good voice. Like you should, you know, like you should maybe try making something, you know, like maybe try writing some songs or like it'd be, uh, one of my, still one of my roommates to this day, um, uh, for a little bit, 
they helped me with uh, recording some like videos. I used to do like YouTube song covers and stuff. But um, though all of them are back before I started T, and it's crazy to listen to them now because I'm like, oh my gosh, one I've improved so much as a musician, and like in terms of like, you know, my vocal quality and like my singing quality, but also just like you know the vast difference in the way that my voice sounded because I had I had such a high pitched Barbie doll voice before <laughs> I uh, started to down. Yeah, so. It's it's crazy to listen to um, some of those old videos now, but I I feel like it was that encouragement that really made me be like, okay, well maybe I'll sit down and I'll start producing something, and if I can't find anybody to do vocals on it, then like maybe if I feel good enough, I'll I'll do vocals on it. And it was yeah. it was a long process of recording myself and being like, ew, I sound gross. Recording myself and being like, ew, I sound gross. Ew, I sound gross. Hey that wasn't too bad. Let me do that. You know, and just repetition, repetition, repetition until, um, the woodshed. (laughs) Yeah. Take it out the woodshed and just chop it out. Exactly. Exactly. And I don't, Mm -hmm. (laughs) just whenever you're working on something, you go out and you practice, practice, practice. That's all you do until you nail it. And you call it a witch set. Okay. You're just chopping at it. Yeah. And I, um, I, honestly, it, I've never had any like vocal training or anything. Um, now I was kind of like, okay, I can, I can use YouTube videos to kind of like help yeah. myself warm up and like, you know, learn some vocal techniques. But for a long time, my method of making sure I sounded good in my songs, cause like I, I knew what it was supposed to sound like. And I knew what vocals sounded good and what didn't. And like, um, I, I referenced a lot of my early work with artists that I really, um, was inspired by and that I felt like I sounded vocally similar to, um, like, to try like, and like, say? um, I'd like to think that, um, I have a pretty similar voice to say like post Malone. I get, I get the same. I, we do the same kind of little like vibrato mm-hmm. with like the rasp mm-hmm. in the voice and like, it's almost more of a trill than a vibrato. Yeah, and I I really like um, the way that he uses his voice as an instrument, you know. Um, and I also I also took a lot of inspiration from like really old um, like jazz songs, like stuff from uh, like old Tom and Jerry cartoons, you know, like the. Is you is or is you ain't my baby? Like mm-hmm. stuff like that. I I grew up listening to a lot of like old jazz stuff like that, and so I I take a lot of inspiration you- from from singers from that era as well. So do you also listen to like ragtime? Oh yeah, Holy Scott Joplin, like ten pound, like ten pan alley level stuff. Like y'all listen to yeah. The- Holy fuck yeah! Oh my God. I'm like I I. Yeah, I'm like, I love ragtime music. I've played a lot of ragtime music back in uh, uh, concert and jazz band. So, like, mm-hmm. I, I have a love for the genre. It's Is just, that it's the fun. Norm for musicians? It's Y'all right play next to Dixieland. Not always. I, I'm fortunate enough that, like, I had really good um, band teachers who really wanted us to play a variety of different songs and, like, a variety of different, like, styles. Um, like I'm pretty well versed in a lot of different. Like I played a lot of ragtime. Um, I played a lot of blues. I played a lot of um, 
like Latin jazz, like in different variations, like fast, like samba, um, or uh, like more slow. I don't know. I don't remember jazz all ballads. Of like, yeah, yeah. Just, I'm like I don't remember all the musical terms, but like yeah, we played a variety of different jazz styles, and same in our uh, concert band settings. And I really have to, I really have to commend my my band teachers for that because I feel, I felt like it gave me a really good framework to appreciate and understand those styles, mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of stayed stayed with me in whenever I do decide to like switch it up, you know, like I I like experimenting in different musical genres for that reason, mm-hmm. and I feel like it's also given me the tools to like be able to appreciate whatever genre I am, you know, like testing yeah. out and trying because like, I, you know, there's so much history to like every music genre. And I feel like if you want to do that music genre justice then you need to delve into the history and you need to be able uh-huh. to give it the respect it deserves because a lot of all music is cultural. And if you don't spend the time trying to learn and respect about the culture of the music that you're engaging in, then like, you're not, you're not, you're doing a disservice to it. You know, like you have to have that cultural context to really understand. There's a phrase like that I hear a lot. And that's like, I listen to everything except for country and rap or one or the Mm -hmm. other. And it's such a shame. Yeah, it, well, especially it makes, knowing yeah. the history, because I know the history of a lot. I've taken a lot of history courses of music, and when one of those was excluded, and you're like, "This wouldn't exist without that," or "We these are tangentially related from a same root." Is it just yeah. the cultural aspect of a particular group of people that you're it, actually getting? Really, on? it really yeah. is. And growing yeah. up, like there was like the kind of uh, different genres and how you looked really kind of dictated what genre you listened to and, mm-hmm. and vice versa. I get the question, oh, you're black. Why would you listen to rock? And it's like, well, listen to everything. And they'd be, well, I've never but also, rock. Yeah, but like, also what? rock is a, what? rock was born from like black culture. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's, like, that's what I was going to get to. That's, was, that's Rosetta. what I thought was it was taken funny that from. you were, yeah. well, the, the fact that you had, you, when you were referencing like the, your sound, it's, uh, the comparison had been made to Post Malone, and I was gonna say, oh, you know, a Post Malone sound without the silliness because of his one comment about, oh yeah, there's no, uh, there's no emotions in hip hop and and rap. It's yeah. just money. It's like what? Which is like not true. That was definitely a very honed up take because like there's because yeah. it it just means that you're not listening to the right stuff. If yeah. like, oh yeah, because it wasn't moving. <laughs> yeah, because I, I have this argument with people all the time. Because like you know, I people expect me to like rap. I'm a hip hop artist. You know, like I love my rap. But I so many times people will be like, I hate country, and I'm like, why? And they're like, well, because like it's not like it's not good. And I'm like, okay, well, are you listening to like the like like white boy country that's like I like. I just drink beers all day and I lost my woman, lost my job, lost my woman, I'm a slob. I like my my woman who cooks and cleans for me and takes care of me while I just work (laughs) and you take care of all the kids. Mm -hmm. Like, is it that type of country or because like if you. If all you've I'm, ever heard is the post 9-11 radio garbage. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You haven't heard country music. 
Yeah, like I'll, if you listen to country music before, you know, 9-11 happened and America hit that like super hard, you know, patriotism, like a lot of country music was so uh, like I one of my aspirations as an artist is to eventually release like a small little country project because like one, I love country music and I would love to do something, you know, inspired probably probably more on the folk and side of country um i just i really love the way that um a lot of country tells a story you know and like 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 dolly like Mm -hmm. dolly or like uh Mm -hmm. johnny cash like just yeah just i love i love music that tells a story that like lets you i i feel like some of the best musicians and best songwriters are able to take the listener into a pocket of like here's what here's here's what it's like inside my brain for a second like they let me show you my experiences let me like you know and like the best artists are able to bring you into an experience they've had in life and have you connect with that you know and like music music is really about connection and the best artists know how to make that connection between you know musician and listener and I just and any I will not take any country slander. Anytime somebody's like, I hate country, I'm like, well, you're not listening to the right country because Boy, Bowser, there's you know so who I like Boy Bowser. Um, do you know who one of my favorite bands growing up was? Mm. They were always there for me. Sugarland. You know who they are? Oh yes, I do. Yes, I do. Oh my god, that's one of my <laughs> favorites. They are they're like up there, and I also like Kenny Chesney because he's. You know, very beachy yeah. vibes, and I just oh yeah, grew up with it. You know, but I I I have a few artists that I'm very fond of. Um, there's so many a lot of talk about. Yeah, there there's so many artists of bridging the gap uh, to kind of make amends between different genres. Like you hear, uh, you know, in uh, Old Town Road, like it's just yeah. right. Go ahead, little just handshake. Little Nas X. We're gonna go out, <laughs> Little Nas X. Yeah, and and I feel like it's kind of kind of redeemed country for a lot of people and just if you tune in a little bit you'll tune in a lot more that there are so many voices within that that it can't just be whatever's on the radio exactly exactly and like i i i always just implore people like look if you don't like a genre you're just not listening to the right music from that genre you know like it's right. there each genre is so rich with different styles and perspectives because every I feel like every musician tries to bring you know a different a different flavor to an established genre you know like at uh, musicians reuse and recycle all the time from each other you know like but I feel like I I feel like it's a disservice to just completely write off an entire genre because you're writing off like an entire like section of music i, I well, just it's a section me. of humanity because if you think about the it voice. before we had the radio it was all what we could talk to each other about what we could sing to each other within human hearing range so now that we have the radio and communication if you're not trying to tune in if you're not trying to to listen into people who are honestly trying to express to you something then that's kind of on you yeah yeah i i used to say when i was younger i used to say limiting yourself to one genre of music was like limiting yourself to one perspective of the world because music it tells a story and i 
I kind of feel like, you know, because I like the, I, I'm very big into like this generation thing because like I don't know if it's real or if we just like modeled ourselves after. It's the, as real as you make it. <laughs> right. So I, I think it's really neat how like pop music, which is what now we call classic or oldies or whatever, like in the 60s and 70s, like, because that's what I grew up with. And which is, yeah. And so like, I kind of feel like country music itself, you know, it went through many phases, many eras. Like the '90s was very neoclassical, like very much um, returning to the roots of of country. You'll see that in like the Alan Jackson and Brooks and then they kind of go back to that boot scooting type of feel. And and towards the 2000s, you'll see that. Um, okay, Lucy, we'll talk to you soon. We'll see him. Uh, we'll see you, Lucy. The spice is gone. <laughs> there is right. no savor. Um, no, just kidding. Oh. Um, uh, so you know, in, in and I and I see you know the patriotism came around two thousand, early two thousands, and then in the in around two thousand ten or eleven, two thousand twelve and thirteen, something happened to country music that just absolutely devastated me, and that's when I stopped listening to it. I I would like to see, boy Bowser, do you know what what that would do? You know what happened to country music around that time? Um. Take a cruise back in your memory. A decade back. Yes. Was it... Ten years ago, believe it or not. Yeah. Ten years ago. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what you're I talking don't remember. about. They call, it, they call like... it bro country. They call it bro country. Oh, like, yeah. That's yeah, exactly what you were, you were rapping no, I mean, earlier. The blue jeans, the take, you know, the sexy like, jeans. That's, that's, there's all been, always been like some weird, like just kind of redneck songs and, you know, country music around that's just yeah. really very self-verifying and like, I drink beer and I like it. Nobody's going to tell me to do anything different. Yeah. Like, yeah, people are always going to have songs like that. It's kind of its own story to tell, but it doesn't necessarily make it an interesting story. It's, it's just the of, predominant part of the genre now, yeah. which is so unfortunate. Well, because now, like, now, well, now actually, the, I, you know, because I feel like country music actually since COVID, um, has actually shifted away. We kind of went through mm-hmm. went through bird country, and then around 2017 to 2021, we kind of saw what they call like girlfriend country, which was like the boys in country music like glorifying the hell out of like the the like the grass that these women walk on, like these these amazing like remember like Heath Urban's like girl this is a girl type of song like all these like really yeah. intense like this is my woman I love her like. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, and I feel like now country music is entering, like, and from what I've heard, uh, I, I've listened to like, what do they call them, Luke Combs, and um, like Zach Bryan, and yeah, it's like from what I've heard from industry experts and such, for those that are in it, is that country music's kind of going through like the Nirvana era of like well, the early '90s, where like like pop kind of like pick one itself. song. Let's take one song in the radioscape right now, and it's Fast Car. Uh, that's oh, not that's beautiful. Yeah, it's not originally by wait. the person who's singing it. Wait uh, a minute. And... I think, are you talking about the one originally by Tracy Chapman? That's correct. Yeah, it's a Tracy absolutely. Chapman song from the Covered 90s. Covered by Luke. Covered by yeah. a black lesbian. And he says in, in it that he works as a... Uh, what tech is a waitress. Girl. Oh, yeah, tech girl. Yeah, so... Yeah, he, he doesn't change the lyrics uh... at all. He doesn't... And, and you know Tracy really? Chapman. Yep. Tracy Chapman a- covered it. She said, "Hey, this is cool. She loves it." And also, this means oh that this means that Tracy Chapman is the first black woman to have a number one song in country music uh, that she wrote because she wrote black it. Black so, lesbian. 
She's a lesbian too. Yes, absolutely. So yeah. And shout out to my lesbians. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And and Luke Combs covered that really beautifully. Um, it stayed straight to the point. Like it was something that Luke Combs had covered in a lot of his concerts. And so he thought it would just, you know, with her approval to just go ahead and release it. And it was it's and a lot of people I I had a feeling that (laughs) I I belong. Yeah. I had a feeling I could be someone, be someone. It's one of those songs that you hear and you're like, has yeah. this always been around? And then, oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I kind like, of it's like, like, oh, country- this song's been around for a while. <laughs> yeah, I feel like country's like kind of stripping down to like raw, like how like Nirvana was very raw and real and like very just like edgy. I feel like that's kind of where country music is now, where it's like not trying to I be. I don't hear Nirvana and country music on the radio. It's not right Nirvana. <laughs> okay, I'm not talking about. <laughs> Radio, okay. If we you're can, talking about if Nirvana's just, like, unplugged era, I don't know. Okay, can, okay. I think we're on okay. a really. I don't think that no. country oh. music is not just like I'm not talking just about radio. Radio is very polished and very white. Uh, I'm gonna go on a water break real quick. I'll be right back. Anyway, moving forward, Boy Bowser. Yes. Um, I don't know where we were in our outline. Hopefully, we were somewhere. How does your music? address topics such as race, gender, identity, and sexuality? Well, I one of the things I've maintained throughout my music, and as somebody who definitely likes to use a lot of humor to cope with, you know, the trials and tribulations of being a trans person in the political environment of America today, um, you know, I, I try to approach it from a funny perspective, you know, my very first song I ever released under um, my artist name, Boy Bowser, because for a time, um, I released music under uh, just the name Sherman, because that's my is my chosen name, and I thought it was fun to just to go sorry, just by Sherman? Sherman. Yeah, Sherman. Okay, <laughs> cool. I like that. I know a lot of people are always whenever I introduce myself, people are like, "Your name is Sherman," and I'm like. Yeah, and I can't tell you how many old people have been like, did your parents give you that name? Did they call you Sherman? And I'm like, yes, because mm-hmm. I'm not, <laughs> I'm lying, but you don't know mm-hmm. that. Um, <laughs> but I used to I used to just go by um, the name Sherman as a musician. I thought it was fun, you know, kind of like a share moment uh, before I was like, no, I think I kind of want an artist name to go by. And I ended up settling on boy Bowser because, uh, Bowser for kind of a silly reason, Bowser is, uh, the, my main character of choice whenever I play super smash brothers brawl. And it has a very, uh, big emotional connection for me as a kid. So I'm like, boy, Bowser, um, but off topic here what was the uh, uh, lost my train of thought race uh, how does your music address race gender identity and sexuality yes as, so as a I, trans artist how does your music talk to this yeah well for the first song i ever released under the name boy bowser um trans rights that song was definitely like the epitome of like yes i want to write about you know my trans experiences but i wanted to be funny you know like there's i feel like there's so much that's inherently funny about the trans experience that like people don't realize like i uh, one of my biggest gripes especially in like comedy right now is that i'm like you know what i a lot of the like 
comedy that's coming from comedians about like trans people is just like the same rehashed like mm. i identify as an attack helicopter and i'm just like okay like we've heard that joke 50 billion times it's not original it wasn't funny the first time but um i really wanted to reclaim a lot of those like dumb jokes conservatives would make at trans people and like just kind of like you know as much as I've been ostracized for being trans, I wanted to take it and make it funny and be like, you're like, I don't give a shit. I'm trans. I'm still here. I'm still loud and visible and I'm going to be funny about it. <laughs> you know, like the first, the first line, um, in the first verse of trans rights is I'm about to go full attack helicopter. You know, like I, <laughs> like I don't, I don't take myself super seriously you know but i i feel like humor is just one of those things that you can use to help cope with you know adversity just in general yeah and i just laugh at the things that hurt you exactly yeah and you know i definitely when i was writing trans rights like obviously there are some lines in there that are like convey like yeah as a trans person i am a victim of oppression not just from society but from you know family people close to me but like that isn't going to stop me being loud and visible and as obnoxious as i possibly can because like i you know i feel like a lot of trans not just trans people but like queer people as a whole like it's it's a very big queer experience to like feel like you have had to hide yourself for so long you know and so like when like approaching songs like trans rights or just any of my other songs where i talk about being trans um i always try to come from it from the perspective of like even if i'm talking about a difficult topic you know like i i still try to be like i'm here i'm visible and i feel like definitely um at the beginning of me making music um, I really wanted to approach it from a, a humor perspective, but I've been, I've also been kind of trying to segue into being, into writing stuff that is a little bit more meaningful and impactful as well. Um, yeah. like I, I had a song come out, uh, this year recently called a better man than I can be. And that song is probably one of my favorites that I've written just because of like, how emotional it is um you know i was talking about the song is basically you know about dealing with transphobia from like a partner and like the compounding dysphoria from you know having somebody you were in a relationship with you know be a proponent of transphobia for you yeah. in your life and uh and I really, as an artist going forward, like I still am going to do my fun humor songs because I just feel like that's integral to me and my person. But I also do want to incorporate like a lot more, uh, you know, I, I want the versatility of being able to joke about my identity and being able to have fun and, you know, like make light of the, not make light, but, you know, um, laugh through the face of all the, adversity yeah. i've had to deal with um but at the same time be like no like at the same time you know my emotions are real this hurt is real and like you know i i feel like those two can 
exist in tandem. You know, like a a lot of the most serious artists that there are, are are really silly about how they approach confronting like really serious issues. Um, But you know, like if you take the, the humor bait as like the only one note or if people buy into it as being like your only trick, you don't really want to do that. You don't want to wind up like with, you're just weird Al and you can't do anything else. It's like, but you know, that's his own thing. He's doing his own bit or whatever. But um, <laughs> I, I don't feel like that's how you approached it though. It's like, yeah, here, here's, this is how I cope with it. It's a clever way. This is my wordplay to combat what you've, what you've taken against me. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's it's good to see and it's good to hear that reflected even just like uncertainties or, or fear people who identify with that can can find solace in just the fact that there's a common experience in that yeah and i honestly the most important thing to me is that no matter what like i want my music to resonate with people you know and like not all of my songs resonate with everybody as it as with like every artist you know not every song is going to be an immediate hit it's not going to resonate with everybody but as long as you know the people people can resonate to my music whichever song it is you know like i that's all i want i just want to be able to connect to people through my music and it it truly means a lot whenever i've gotten feedback from fans and like people who listen to my music that they're like yeah like i you know this really speaks to my experience and this really resonates with me in like my identity and you know even people who aren't necessarily trans they're like even you know like even though i'm not trans like this is still resonating with me and even though like my i've I've had a lot of um i've i've had a lot of uh cis people who are fans of my music come up and be like i feel like you really give me a perspective you know like that i haven't thought about and in terms of like trans people and like it really helped like conceptualize like oh this is kind of what that feels like you know and like that's like as if i'm able to help make that connection with people you know and if my music can resonate in a way that will humanize and help other trans people then that's i'm i'm more than happy with that mm-hmm. absolutely and it's it, yeah it's it's uh there's a song for kind of every season too and just trying to find the time and space to put it all in uh, like uh, you've got a new album out uh, how have you prioritized what your work is to make sure you've got the best content uh it's honestly making uh making content has been it's it's always a struggle because i i definitely approach it in a very non-traditional way um a lot of the times when i make my music it's in very like hyper fixated bursts of like okay i'm going to be working on this for eight hours straight and then i won't touch it for the next two weeks (laughs) um because i just my brain is like that. I'm really bad about, um, but it's also just because, you know, need to work for a living, not a, I'm not a successful big name artist yet, but so I need to, I still need to pay my rent, pay my bills. Mm -hmm. Someday. We're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. The come up. We're on the come up, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just, it's about our, our time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, um, 
the, the struggle with being, you know, an indie artist is being able to find the time to make music, you know, and just with, you know, work and trying to have like a social life on top of, you know, also trying to like make sure that I get booked for shows because, you know, at this point in my career, I am a one man show. <laughs> I don't have any marketing team. I don't have a manager. So I do all of my um, booking myself. So it's definitely all of my booking, all of my um, mixing and mastering and engineering. And uh, I don't always do all of my producing, um, but I tried, I'd say like a good, not exactly, like a good three, a good two fifths of my music is probably like self-produced or I've had like a heavy hand in, you know, like arranging um, the composition uh, just cause you know, that's important to me. And also because like, I, you know, I am work to survive, work to pay rent. I don't have the money to be able to pay somebody to do it <laughs> for a session so, musician. Yeah. So I'm like, well, if you don't have the money to pay somebody to do it, that means you got to learn how to do it yourself. Yep. And that's what I've done. And I'd like to, I'd like to say that I, I do it pretty well. You know, I'm still, uh, one of it, it's always important to me to always grow and improve. So I'm always trying to work on learning and making sure that I can make my music sound as good and as professional as I can with the resources that I have. Um, but a lot, you know, a lot of it is just trying to balance that like work life to be able to make content in the first place. But I definitely, you know, I'm, I'm glad for the job that I work in because I work in delivery. So it allows a lot of flexibility in terms of uh, being able to like work on songs if I need to. Um, you know, a lot of the time I'll take uh, whenever I'm on my lunch break, I'll have my headphones with me and I'll just be um, cranking out like a two minute beat on GarageBand on my mm -hmm. iPhone. And then I'll transfer that to my computer at home and expand on it and be like, okay, do I have lyrics for this? Where do I want to go with this? Do mm -hmm. I want to sell this? Do I want to like, what are, what are we trying to go for here? Mm -hmm. um, so it's just, I, I try to incorporate music as much as I can within uh, the available time that I have. But Absolutely. you know, sometimes it's hard. But we, I, I feel passionate enough about music that I, I try to involve it into my routine as much as I can every day. Mm hmm. I always have like a soundtrack in the back of my head. But when it comes to like creation, like trying to sit down and get to a computer is just like impossible. It's, it's crazy though how good GarageBand is as a dog oh, yeah. on a cell phone. Like, how can you be that good? It just sounds incredibly like studio level but like if you just need something to kind of musically doodle on yeah uh, you can do it on a cell phone nowadays yeah yeah and like, band is a powerful system it's a powerful tool yeah um, and i garage band is actually still my um my program of choice for producing and people are always tripped out by that and i'm like yeah i've been using garage band for years and i'm still using it and I I'm hung no up on Fruity Loops, so like I, I've got no shame there. It's like that that was I don't know, like maybe like a, a meme about like being a bad dog back in the day, but like 
No, if you can produce a sound that you want to hear again, then yeah, that's a, that's a good good product. You can make music out of it. This uh, episode has been brought to you by GarageBand by Apple. Apple, please sponsor. <laughs> right. Oh God. So, Boy Bowser. So, tell me about uh, tell me about the future. Um, your future. What are some of yeah? What are some of your um, what do you see for yourself in a few years? If you know, if we don't become a, a fascist dictatorship. Uh, like <laughs> <laughs> um, gosh, well, ideally, I would love to be at the point in my career where I can comfortably sustain myself off of just making music. No, I, I do love where I work. I probably wouldn't quit mainly because I work in cannabis and I love working in cannabis. Um, but I Cheers. ideally, <laughs> I ideally would love to. Um, I I would love to be able to sustain myself off of music. That's kind of every artist's dream, you know. But um, yeah, that's how I feel. I, yes. I definitely. Um, I'd I'd love to have a little bit more, you know, name recognition. Nintendo, please don't sue me for using the name Bowser. Um, I don't think they can be just Bowser, right? Boy Bowser? Do they have like a character called Boy Bowser? There's Kid Bowser, right? So you gotta change it from an I. You gotta change it. Take the take the Y off and put I be Boy Bowser. Well, I I don't don't think it's a Boy Bowser. So well, I was thinking of maybe doing um, of pulling a Kesha and just uh, changing the S. In my name to a dollar sign. Dollar sign. Yeah. Okay. So maybe uh, you could do maybe you could do like a play on the name Boy Bowser because like there's this uh there's this up and coming group called uh Flyanna Boss and it's a play I off the Diana Ross. Oh my God! Yes, I Flyanna love Boss. Hello, oh Quest. Hey, if you're oh my... again. So uh, good. I love Flyanna Boss and cinnamon. And cinnamon. So good. Yes, I absolutely. I love Flyanna Boss. They manifested so, the, the the brand deals. I swear to God, they did. They're in Pizza Hut now. They're with. This is so much happening. I'm so proud of them. But oh, me too. Yeah. So, but like Boy Bowser, you could be like soy, soy, uh, soy trousers. What? Soy trousers. <laughs> that was a crazy. That's a crazy yeah. idea. Why would you say that? <laughs> soy, soy trousers. Damn, soy trousers. This, what's, it sounds too close like, to soiled like a, trousers. I don't know. That's it's like it's a little lacking because like, it's like soy. You know, it's like I'm saying like, I'm a soy. pair of trousers. Yeah, you could. But it's, be also, yeah, yeah. it's also kind of like, like a soy, soy boy thing. joke too. Be koi. You could be koi trousers. <laughs> yeah, koi. I think you're fine with boy. Yeah, bows boy bows is good. We we can. Boy with like, an eye. I don't think Nintendo is going to come after you. Like worst comes to worst. Worst comes to worst, I'll uh, I'll change the S in my name to uh, a dollar sign, so I can I can mm-hmm. be like, yeah, I'm boy bow dollar sign er bow dollar sign. It really rolls so out the tongue. Thank you, thank you. Well, there we go, mm-hmm. boy Bowser. Tuesday, October third. The transparent podcast. Isn't that so exciting? Woo! I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Boy Bowser. Yeah, the the song so we can get you submitted all of that. that. Is there any other like uh structure we need to talk about? Any other questions we need to bring up? Anything on your mind that we haven't talked about you'd like to? Um oh, I actually just released um a 
two song uh, EP today. It's called Shred Tunes. I did the artwork for the cover myself and I did all of the uh, production. Um, it's actually like a ska punk, like surf rock uh, mini project. Um, I implore you guys to check it out. It's real fun. Um, can we play it on the show? Uh, you can. You can. Awesome. It should, be, it should be out on all platforms now. So. Cool. Oh, that's awesome. Like, well, let's, uh, let's, let's really quick. This is tragic. Let's take a listen to that, that brand new song. What's it called, Boy Bowser? Um, it's a two song EP, Shred Tunes, but I would recommend playing Get Out of My Own Way. Um, that one is, uh, probably my favorite. All right. Cool. So this is Get Out of My Own Way by Boy Bowser. wishes they could be here today but they are um thank you so much for sharing those words of encouragement for sharing your music with us today uh it's really been a pleasure where can we find your information in your life yes uh so i'm on all platforms uh except for instagram because instagram just uh shut down my boy bowser account so i'm just oh my only in, my only instagram account is uh my sherman gift basket uh instagram but on all other platforms i'm boy bowser you can find me on twitter you can find me on tiktok anywhere um and obviously i'm boy bowser on anywhere you can get your music thank you so well. much Bowser, I can't wait to have you on uh, later on this week with us with Damage. Damage will be our guest just one Woo. day away. Woo! So excited. I love Damage. They're they're such a pleasure to work with, truly. You know, it was great. It was great sitting down and talking with Damage. And I'm so glad you were there with us. 
yeah, it was, I was happy to be there. Honored to honored to be invited. <laughs> well, that'll be out in just a day on Thursday, so I definitely hope that uh, everyone will tune in for that. And uh, before we depart, we Bowser, uh, final words, thoughts, and uh, I guess my question going forward is about going forward. What can we do? What do we? What is? What's your message for the trans community? Uh, just moving forward in this period of, of time. Yeah. Well, I I just want to say definitely invest in community. You know, I the queer community is strong. We're resilient, and as long as we have each other, we will be able to make it through whatever storm that is to come. We have a lot more allies than we all think. And you know, I no matter the po- the upcoming political landscape. We have each other and they're, you know, don't be afraid to be loud and proud of yourself because, you know, everyone deserves a chance to be happy and to exist as comfortable as they should be, you know? Hey, everyone, if you like this episode of the Trans Narrative Podcast, be sure to subscribe, like, and follow. This podcast is available on Apple, Audible, Amazon, Spotify, Google, or YouTube. Today's episode was recorded on September 30th, 2023. Today's show was co-hosted by Athena Primakis, Caroline Penny, Kevin Warner, and Lucy Balzano. Today's guest was Boy Bowser. The Trans Narrative Podcast was created by Caroline Penny and co-produced by Athena Primakis. This episode was edited, directed, and produced by Caroline Penny. Music provided by Athena Vermakis. This episode brought to you by Spotify for Podcasters. You can now find us on transnarrativepodcast.com. If you'd like to reach out, learn more, be a guest, or are looking to get involved with the show, email us at transnarrativepodcast at gmail.com. The Trans Narrative Podcast is dedicated to fostering a safe and inclusive environment for the trans community. It provides a platform for trans individuals to connect, share their stories, and find support within their own community. Thanks for joining us as we hear the stories of gender diverse people and celebrate our community.